Hi, this is Larry Pasca, Executive Director of NCSS, the National Council for the Social Studies. This episode features an author published in an NCSS journal. Please enjoy. You're listening to Visions of Education, a podcast where we take a look at big ideas in education from different perspectives. Hi, I'm Michael Milton, a high school teacher from Massachusetts. And I'm Dan Kretka, an education professor in Texas. We're here to help bridge the gap between educators in the K-12 and those professors in higher ed. We hope this podcast will help bring those fuzzy ideas in education into focus. Do you ever go through like your old stuff? Yeah, I mean, you got to be more specific, but oh, yeah, sometimes probably. my mom visits and just brings me like boxes of old stuff. Like she actually brought me a box of like old report cards and stuff from school. Yes. And it was really funny to look at like my AP government progress report where I had like a B in the course I ended up teaching. <laughs> that is interesting. Did you think I would have an A in that class? Yeah, no, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I think I got an A in the end. You pulled it out so the, the progress was eventually met. If only she brought your report card too, then it would have been okay. I think my big issue there was it was the first class of the day, and I think I arrived late on occasion. <laughs> See, that's not good. That's not good. The The other day I was cleaning out bookshelves, and I came across my old teaching binder. You know the one you put together when you're doing your, your uh, student teaching or yeah. you're in your teacher ed program? It was really kind of funny to look at. I know. It's it's interesting to think like how far you've come and just some of the things you maybe learned during the program that you didn't even know about. What did you think? I mean, did you feel like your teacher ed preparation prepared you to be a teacher? I think I think they actually did a very good job. I'm actually quite satisfied with my teacher ed program. I know that I have some qualms with it here or there. I mean, some of it was just kind of like basic like general stuff. We did a lot of like practical application. We did a lot of lesson planning, a lot of unit planning. And I feel like when I got to the classroom, that obviously during my cooperating teaching experience, that was a wake-up call because, you know, I was used to doing like a unit plan a semester. Instead, you have to do a lesson plan a day. And, and that was, you know, a big shift. Um, but I'm really proud of what I put together. And I looked at my my little, my teacher, my beginning teacher's thing, uh, Binder, and I was really kind of happy with what I did back then. And, you know, I, I'm better now, but it was just kind of cute to see my little origin. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think my program did a good job in a lot of ways of preparing me. I think I gained a lot of knowledge I needed. The yeah. thing that I think teacher ed, in my opinion, has not always done, and we talked about this with Francesca Forzani when we talked about high leverage practices or core practices, is that I don't think I got as much practice getting feedback on my actual teaching. Like what are the things a teacher does in the classroom? Like leading a discussion, right? I feel like right. no one ever like sat there and said, here's the ways good teachers do this, the various ways, and here's some things you can try. And you did these well, or you did these poorly. Like, I think I could have used more feedback there. But my program made me think a lot. I think it expanded my mind in in understanding, like, how to approach social studies and history from a critical yeah. perspective and question things. And so I loved it. I went to school in Rhode Island, and we had what are called the Rhode Island Beginning Teacher Standards that we called rivets, which is very clever. We didn't make that up. Everything needs an acronym in education. Absolutely. And then later on, they just became the RITs. They got rid of the beginning teachers and they said, oh, these standards are pretty good. And later on, they changed it to RIPITs. They added a professional teaching. I don't know. I don't follow the acronyms in Rhode Island anymore. I like the ribbit thing. It makes me feel like teacher candidates should be in Rhode Island should be called like little froggies or something. <laughs> that would be very cute. 
you know, I work in teacher education and preparing teachers, and it is difficult to figure out exactly what to do in a class. But fortunately for us, we've brought in an expert today who can help us think about the best ways to prepare social studies teachers for teaching. So we would like to welcome into the podcast, Alex Cuenca. Hi, everybody. Hey. Hi, guys. Hey, Alex. Now, just so you know, it, the, when the phone rang, that was actually Alex calling in, and that's how we do things now. <laughs> that's right. Um, Old school radio. Yeah. <laughs> Alex, can you tell us a little bit about your background in education? Uh, sure. Um, so my background in education started as an eighth grade middle school uh, U.S. history teacher. I taught in Miami-Dade County Public Schools. Uh, I did that for about four years. I was also a band director. It's always a little interesting tidbit about me that people don't know much. They just see my social studies side, but I was also uh, a, a big band nerd. I did not know uh, that. Yes, leader of the band nerds, actually. So uh, I taught beginning band, uh, orchestra, jazz band, and marching band. So I did that for uh, a little bit. While at the same time, I was getting my master's in social studies education at Florida International University. When I was done with, with teaching, I had a, a really great mentor at FIU who basically said, you know, you should, you should really think about uh, kind of pursuing this more at the doctoral level. Uh, and so I did, and I started looking for doctoral programs, and the University of Georgia was a great kind of fit for me as an individual. And so I, I, did, I, I did my PhD at the University of Georgia. While I was there, I became really interested in this notion of teacher education. For me, I kind of uh, I stumbled onto teacher education as a research interest, frankly, because I didn't know much about it, but it was the first thing that they asked me to do as a graduate student. Uh, I walked in uh, kind of day one, and they're like, well, congratulations, Alex. You're gonna, your job for this paltry salary is that you're going to be supervising student teachers. And I said, I don't know what that is. And the only reason I didn't know what that was was because I'd never went through a traditional teacher prep program. Most of my teacher training was at that master's level. And it was an accelerated program, so I didn't actually do any uh, student teaching or my teaching was never supervised. And so that was the first thing that I had to do. And I was completely confused and completely off by what it was that I was being asked to do. I took a crash course, I think, in the office of a mentor. I had a notepad and he basically told me everything that I needed to do. So I wrote everything down very, very kind of carefully. And then I jumped into the field for the first time and I was supervising a student teacher. I was in charge of this young teacher's career and kind of giving them pointers for the field. And I felt highly insecure about that. I didn't really know what I was supposed to be doing. I didn't know if the advice that I was giving him was correct. Uh, all I knew was that I was telling him exactly kind of the ways in which I thought you should be doing this work, which felt highly insufficient. And so when I went back to my graduate program, I kind of explored all of these vulnerabilities and all these issues. And I became really kind of interested in the work of teacher ed. I didn't know that there was this kind of professional field around how we all prepare teachers. And so I began to investigate that more. I had a mentor who was also interested in teacher education. And so he was able to guide me and kind of help me focus my, my interests, my curiosities. And I began to kind of continue to, to work this dialectic between teacher preparation as a research field and also uh, myself as a teacher educator. And I felt like we could kind of refine both. The more I learned about the field of teacher education, I think the better I became as a teacher educator, and that really kind of kind of moved me forward. If you were to go back to yourself when you were supervising teacher candidates initially, what would you say or, or how do you think you, you did? I thought I was awful. <laughs> um, and, and I'm not being kind of facetious about that. I think most of, I think my first year teaching, I, I think there were, there are things that I would love to go back and do differently because I was kind of unaware. My first students supervising him, I was very direct. I was basically trying to give him advice on how to be a better teacher, but I was unaware of 
his own learning arc. I didn't think about him as, a, as an emerging teacher. The things that I know about wh what position students are in and what they know and what they're capable of doing, by the time they get into student teaching, I didn't see him in a kind of developmental arc. I simply just started giving him kind of tips of the trade. It's not exactly what he needed. I think the more that I walked in, the more that I looked at the literature, and the more that I thought, okay, this is where they're at. This is the kind of supports that they need. This is the way that teaching an eighth grader is different than teaching a college senior. These are some of the conditions in the student teaching experience that that teacher is trying to navigate and negotiate, and here's how I can help him. The, those were some of the things that that student needed at the time that I fundamentally failed him on. You know, I wish I could take it back. I don't think I was mean. I don't think I was, I don't think I did it a service, but I don't think one of the, one of the arguments that I've made since then has been that we have to do a better job of preparing people like me, graduate students, to do supervision in a lot more thoughtful manner because I think we're missing an educative moment for teacher candidates when we miss that really critical opportunity in student teaching to not prepare them or, or not, to, not to think about their preparation as best as possible. So you would not have considered that first advising and mentorship you gave to that burgeoning teacher as your opus, to use the language of, of music educators. I don't know if I did that right. <laughs> That's good. But you've been working on this for years. And so now you're kind of in a position where you help to advise other people and contribute to the literature on how we can do this. First, we'd like to congratulate you on your recently published article in Social Education titled Preparing Teachers for a New Generation of Social Studies Learners, Introducing the National Standards for the Preparation of Social Studies Teachers. And that's in the November-December issue of Social Ed. Can you tell us about these new standards and what they mean for teacher educators and teacher candidates? Sure. Yeah. And again, thanks for inviting me for, uh, to talk about these standards. We're trying to get the word out as much as possible. So we hope uh, that the podcast kind of helps us in that direction. The National Council for Social Studies for several decades has always put forth teacher standards or uh, standards for the preparation of teachers. And the last revision uh, that was done was done in the early 2000s. And since then, uh, there hasn't been much uh, attention that has been given to thinking about or considering uh, the kinds of standards that we are using to prepare teachers in our teacher preparation programs and social studies. So about 2013, that was right after the marriage of kind of NKATE and, and TIAC, and that turned into CAPE. Can you tell our viewers that are not less familiar with those organizations just briefly what they are? I'll remember the, your, your adage that we love our acronyms, so I'll, I'll, try to, I'll try to be good about that. It's the Council for the Accreditation of Educator Preparation. It is now the singular accrediting body for teacher preparation programs in the United States. So that body came to the National Council for Social Studies and said, you need to think about and revise the standards because you haven't really looked at them for uh, you know, at least 10 years. And so uh, the National Council for Social Studies appointed a task force on teacher preparation standards for us to do engage in this kind of revision work. We did a lot of, uh, so there were five members that I was appointed chair and other, other members were appointed uh, from across the country. And we tried to look at both what the field told us about what this process looked like. And a lot of our fellow colleagues in social studies teacher ed said that the standards themselves and writing the reports uh, were cumbersome. Uh, so we wanted to do a little bit about that. But also, we knew that the field of teacher ed and social studies had changed dramatically since the early 2000s. And so we wanted to be both reflective of the field in uh, social studies, but also reflective of the trends and, and where we're at and what we've been thinking about 
in teacher preparation since then. And so we began our work. We began as a, as a team of five. And I do want to give them credit because I, and this work wasn't done alone. It was done uh, over several years, over several conversations, uh, over several both um, conceptual and structural arguments between and amongst the committee. And it was really hard work. So uh, the, the committee is uh, Tony Castro from the University of Missouri, Tina Hefner uh, from the University of North Carolina, Charlotte, Andy Hostetler from Vanderbilt University, Emma Thacker from uh, James Madison University, and Brandy Benton, who is the uh, SPA coordinator and is a, a provost at Henderson State University. So that was the team, and we began, we met in D.C. Uh, for the last, well, since 2013, we've, we met uh, all the way through uh, the end of 2016. Um, and we had a couple of things that we needed to consider. CAPE had given us some instructions to basically think about aligning our standards to the uh, INTASC standards, which you could probably kill me. I don't actually know what the uh, acronym for INTASC is, but it's an interstate agreement <laughs> of standards. <laughs> it, there are standards for five dimensions of teaching. And so we decided that we wanted to, uh, we decided that we wanted to align the standards to the dimensions of teaching instead of what used to be the alignment framework, which was the 10 themes for NCSS. Alex, I have an important update. I have learned what the in-task in means. It is the Interstate okay. Teacher Assessment and Support Consortium. Thank you. Then, uh, thank you. I, I just Googled it. <laughs> I, you know, I was trying to. I couldn't do both at the same time. So, so thanks for that update, Dan. So the, the, the in-task standards are built around basically five core themes, and we wanted to do the same kind of work. Uh, we wanted to build our standards that infused social studies, but also kind of had this teacher education architecture or backbone already built around them. And so the first thing that we did was we basically took these conceptual buckets, and there are five of them. There is content knowledge, which is standard one in the, in the standards. There is application of content through planning, which is standard two in the standards. Standard three is design and implementation of instruction and assessment. Standard four is learners and learning, and standard five is professional responsibility. We took that basic architecture, and then we began to design elements that were uh, what we believe were best practices in social studies teaching and social studies teacher education. And so we tried to bridge both what we knew about good social studies teaching and good social studies teaching research and teacher education research. Uh, and we tried to develop and distinguish what these standards would look like for social studies. I told you that the trends are some of the things that we wanted to kind of pay attention to with these standards. And we knew that since 2013, the C3 framework had been a kind of a big, a big issue in social studies that we wanted to address. And so the C3 framework was another thing that we wanted to incorporate, uh, but not just incorporate kind of by name, but kind of um, uh, infused throughout the document. We had a couple of theories about this. We know that the C3 framework is not wholly adopted by all 50 states. But we knew that if we asked teacher preparation programs to be attuned to what the C3 was trying to do, that we knew that we could get to the development of C3 teachers because we believe in the fundamental premise of C3, which is inquiry is the center of social studies. So we infused the C3 into the language, the documents, the rationales for why we were asking teachers to think about content knowledge in a certain way why we were asking teachers to think about social studies learners, why we were thinking about professional responsibility. And so we took that architecture that INTASC provided us, we took the trends in social studies, we took the trends in teacher education, and then we tried to develop elements that kind of cohered all five of the standards uh, together. So this is some pretty complicated work. Multiple organizations have got together, created something, then they all did that, and then you guys had to get together 
and create something that was coherent with all of these other things that were created. Um, and by the way, for our listeners, if you want a review on the C3 framework, on episode 10, we had Kathy Swan come on and talk about it. But you're combining the C3 framework, which provides an inquiry arc for educators and thinking about how they do social studies from starting with questions to finishing with action and, and communicating conclusions. And then you also took these in-task standards. So inside this, you had to stuff in what makes a good social studies teacher. What were the things you most brought in in trying to make sure that teacher candidates come out with being better social studies teachers? Again, kind of thinking about the operating theory of, of the C3, which is that everything has to be done in social studies for a particular civic purpose. And so um, laced throughout the standards, you'll find language that is always trying to make sure that the end of the action that we're asking teacher preparation programs to think about is for a civic purpose. And so that's very kind of embedded throughout the standards. Uh, so, for example, in standard two, the standard, the big standard itself reads, candidates plan learning sequences that leverage social studies knowledge and literacies, technology, and theory and research to support civic competence of learners. So we always wanted to add that to support civic competence, civic life, civic action, because we knew that that ultimately is the end of social studies. And we felt like that's what the standards were, were missing beforehand. They were kind of broad themes. They were things that kind of left the standard, the disciplines kind of in their own disciplinary homes. And what we believe the C3 did really well was it provided both a space for interdisciplinary learning and also uh, it provided a civic end and a civic purpose for social studies ed. So what we tried to do with this particular shift in this standard is make sure that that was as clear as possible. That there are things that good teachers do in all disciplines. That they, they can plan sequences, that they can, they can be attuned to, the, to their learners, uh, that they take professional responsibility. That's the, the, the elements that the in-task framework gave us. But what we wanted to make sure was that we were trying to develop and ask programs to think about good social studies teachers who were using disciplines in ways that, that leverage them specifically for civic ends. In my department, every so often, we have this discussion about what we're doing. Are we like teaching history or are we teaching skills? And, and there's always like this really interesting, not fight, but like really hardcore discussion about what is a history teacher. I wonder like if that plays out while you were creating these standards, because it looks like content knowledge, which some of my, my colleagues would say, that's it. It seems like that and, and the standards is just one of the elements. Did you have a discussion about that? Yeah, you know, what we had to balance uh, is this is a document that's a national document, right? And so every state de defines the content knowledge necessary for social studies teachers very different. In states like Georgia, they're single certification states where um, they're basically saying, go get a history degree and then you can only teach in a history classroom. Uh, other states like Missouri or Broadfield, so they'll say, go get a little bit of everything and you can teach in any of them. And so we certainly uh, wanted to respect uh, the diversity of the ways in which uh, states certify social studies teachers. And by default, it requires teacher ed programs in different states to do different things. I'll add to Alex, it's important to know which subjects you get certified in because in your second year teaching, you might get thrown into a psychology classroom and before you know it, you're teaching about the biological basis, and I had no clue what happened. Right. It came out of nowhere. I was like, I thought I was a social studies teacher. I'm kidding, but I actually really did love teaching psychology. But the fact that I went and got that certification meant that if no one else had it, I had to do it. <laughs> right. And so we wanted to be respectful of that, but we also wanted to, again, 
make the argument within teacher preparation that there still has to be some kind of civic end. So the content knowledge is foundational, it's important, there is never any argument that we would make otherwise. But we do know that our focus is on the preparation side, and we want to make sure that those methods, courses, and those spaces for student teaching, and those places for field experiences, we're also trying to get students to think about more specifically what the civic end is of the discipline and not merely the discipline in and of itself. So that's what we try to kind of work throughout is if there are places where you're just a history teacher, that's great. And you, the preparation is what the state is requiring you to do. But we want the program to also think about the civic end and not just simply thinking about preparing you, you know, as simply as a historian or to prepare students as a, you know, as For a, jeopardy as a, as a, or right. Yes, right, yeah. right. And I, I do like the way, obviously, moving down, like you're constantly dealing with the content. So you need to know the content in order to then teach the content. Or, or So it seems to work with the way you did it. I just wanted to, I don't know. I just want to talk about that a little bit. Yeah. And I think a lot of times you don't think about it. If you don't know the content, it's sometimes hard to structure a good inquiry lesson too, right? Like it's not like just about lecturing or giving the information to students. Somebody who knows the content well is able to think of better questions to ask about history. Mm -hmm. So I love the way you guys have organized these. And in fact, they're already in at the uh, University of North Texas. They're already in our social studies methods syllabus. And it's our, we have the outcomes that you guys came up with aligned with assessments that we do in our classes to see if they're growing in those areas. So I, I think they were really well organized. Again, we want to remind people to definitely go to the article, which is an open access article we will link to in the show notes that will help you learn more about this. Now that you've created this document, and again, it seemed like it was a labor of love amongst many people with many different voices. How do you see it being implemented? How do you get someone like Dan to, to put it into, and I know he already did it, but like, you know, how do you get teacher educators to, to put this into their programs? So there are a couple of things and some realities that we're kind of honest with, right? So uh, I mentioned before the genesis of the document was the accreditation, the Council for the Accreditation of Educator Preparation. So essentially, we know that that, has, that will be the primary use of the document, that, that programs We'll use these to pursue national accreditation and national recognition. But we also recognize broader trends in teacher preparation and that, that that can't be it. And that we hope that because these standards, what we heard a lot when we were piloting the standards and we were kind of showcasing to the public was, hey, these standards speak to my program a lot more clearly and actually reflect more of what I'm already doing in my program than anything that was done before or the, or the ways in which I had to kind of fit the 10 themes into my teacher preparation program. So we know the programs will use them for accreditation purposes. We don't want the standards, though, to be just simply a checklist for programs to do it if they're using it for that purpose. We really hope that the standards will be something that kind of prompts reflection for programs that actually asks them to kind of go into their data, to go into the, the way in which their pedagogy is being kind of enacted. And if they're not thinking about things that are kind of repeated over and over again in the standards, like how is the discipline that you're talking about broken down into facts and concepts and tools? How are students looking at or, you know, playing with how the discipline is represented in the classroom, in their lesson plans? We want programs to be thinking about the structure of the standards and what's the meat that's in them and not so much kind of checking a list for accreditation. If it becomes that, the standard becomes really, really static. So we're hoping that it's going to prompt program reflection and program improvement along these lines. So that, that's the, and, and we know that that does that. You can do it kind of by force through accreditation. And we hope that at least if you have to do it, that it, it 
prompts genuine and authentic inquiry into your program. And if you don't have to do it, we still hope that the standards are used for that purpose, that you may not be submitting data to CAPE, you know, you may not be submitting the assessments that you would for CAPE accreditation, but that it provides a kind of a mirror to go, okay, I want to look at uh, uh, what I'm doing and how I'm talking about social studies learners, for example, and take a look at the ways that we've articulated those standards and have a conversation with your faculty or with your adjuncts or with whoever is the, is the, is, is the group and talk through how do we improve our program. I don't know if you thought of this before, but have you considered making like t-shirts? Uh, <laughs> because I was thinking you, you can call it teacher preparatory standards, the next generation. Mm-hmm. And you can have data. You talk a lot about data. Like data is a character there. That mm-hmm. seems like that could be a fun little way in. Yeah, unfortunately, a science beat us to the punch with Next Generation, but, uh, you know, we can brainstorm a different word for sure. <laughs> I mean, um, Goonies I- could also work if you somehow made the acronym there, because who doesn't? <laughs> Goonies don't say die, except every time they say their motto. <laughs> Michael, you're going to have to make this happen. I think that's a really good idea. Alex, I will say, I, I thought that they really did help prompt reflection when I was thinking about what we were going to have our teacher candidates at, at the University of North Texas work on because what I do is I think the standards do address a well-rounded social studies educator also because they again focus on those different components and so then I looked at like okay do we have assessments that actually show us that they are able to do these things and so that was really helpful for me to kind of think through so I thought you did a good job. Dan can I also add that you know the the standard that I think we're most excited about and the standard that's going to give us a lot of uh, has given us a lot of heat in terms of people not really knowing what to do with it is standard five. Uh, standard five is talking about professional responsibility. And in InTask, there's the way in which we think about teachers as professionals and how they carry themselves as professionals in schools and classrooms. But taking the spirit of the C3, we know that the outcome of the C3, the inquiry arc, is that notion of informed action. And we know that we're asking teachers to, to help their, you know, shape the citizen dispositions of their students. We wanted to end the standards, and we don't think of the standards as an arc, but we do know that professional responsibility is kind of built into this, to think of themselves as citizens. And we wanted to teach a prep program to think and consider the ways in which they're shaping the citizen dispositions of the pre-service teachers. Because to us, you kind of can't ask students to engage in informed action if the teachers that are teaching them how to engage in informed action haven't done that work themselves. And so we wanted to really kind of embed that because we wanted to create that as a shift that even the the teacher prep programs that told us, hey, we were doing a lot of this work. We want to make sure that we're also thinking specifically about how are you thinking about the teacher, the social studies teacher, also as a citizen themselves. I often say in my classes, you know, part of being a good social studies teacher is becoming a better person, becoming a better citizen and caring about people in your society, what happens in the world. And if you don't do that, I think we're missing the point of what social studies is all about. So I thought that was great. And, you know, one of the assessments I have lined up with that was their ability to engage in civic conversations on social media is -hmm. that I encourage them to create professional accounts. Uh, and and develop professional identities and be able to have conversations about what social studies teaching can look like and that's and their ability to kind of display that growth over the course of a semester is something that I look at can you have these conversations that good social studies teachers have right I I wanted to also add to the kind of the the idea of who is this for we also know that uh, if these standards are simply for teacher preparation that they again are kind of are talking to a targeted and limited audience 
if teacher prep standards are uh, kind of have no relationship to the classroom, then I don't also know what we're doing. So we want to make sure that these standards also get into the hands of teachers, of school leaders, of uh, superintendents, because we believe that it's a good reflection of good social studies teaching. Although the concept is designed for teacher preparation, we do know that what we articulate around how we prepare teachers, social studies teachers for the classroom is also the ways in which good social studies teaching happens. Uh, and so we hope that these standards are also used by school leaders, by teachers, the ways in which they're expecting student teachers to come into the classroom. What, they're, what, what do they already come with knowing about learners, about lesson planning? That it should give them some uh, expectation for how teachers are prepared in social studies uh, teacher preparation programs. That's the part that even districts, I used to work with lots of school districts in St. Louis, and so they'd get a lot of social studies teacher prep programs, but every program has their own kind of flavor. And so social studies teachers who are working with teacher candidates would always be confused by the way that this university wanted to do something or that university wanted to do something. But uh, we hope that, again, the standardization doesn't make everyone the same, but it at least provides a common template for expectations. And then each program can kind of provide their own take on how that works. It should be used for in schools as well, also for professional development for schools. Uh, we want them to be used in that uh, respect as well to, again, anchor and think and develop teachers kind of moving forward. So you're saying Michael should use these standards to lecture his colleagues on whether they're doing a good job. That, oh, that's what no. I'm hearing from you. No, <laughs> no but I think that would actually help provide a, a decent breakdown for a good conversation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Have you ever heard of the Rhode Island getting teaching standards? I have not, but but I'm fascinated. I mean, I'm on Team Dan. I, I think Ribbits was much better. You know, the, the 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 metaphor and the image it brings up, I think, is 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 by far superior. But it did what you want to do. It was no longer Ribbits. It was Ritz. <laughs> it was for everyone. Yes. Yep. <laughs> okay. There you go. So, <laughs> thanks, Alex Quinka, for chatting with us today. You're welcome, Alex. Where can our listeners find you and your work online? I am at Indiana University, uh, so I can be found uh, on uh, Twitter at Alexander Cuenca, and, and my work um, at Indiana University, and, and my profile's there, and my work is there, so uh, if, if I, I can be found, uh, I'm there. Great. We will definitely link to those places in the show notes. We'll link to the article we discussed here. Maybe we'll even put it in a couple of other articles you've written for people that want to learn a little bit more about some of the work that you've done. So, again, sure. just thank you so much for joining us, and we hope to continue the discussion online and in other spaces. Thank you. At the Vision of Education podcast, we are all about sharing the learning. If you're doing something fun, creative in education, or you just want to chat, hit us up at Visions of Ed. We're on Twitter. We're also on the Facebook and really anywhere Actually, really, those are the two places that we are. And if you haven't already, and really, you should, subscribe to Vision of Education on iTunes, nope, Apple Play, Stitcher, and anywhere you want us to be. And if you write us a five-star review, we will read it on the air. And you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Dan Kretka. And I'm at 42 Think Deep. Until next time, this is the Visions of Education podcast, signing off. <laughs>